does that thing make me a better person? Mm. Yes or no? Yeah, that's a big It's one as simple that. as that, man. Like, I like to call it Roy, obviously, like return on investment. But like, you know, my good friend Roy, whenever I'm having a conversation in my own head or with someone, I bring in Roy. Only limits that exist in life are the limits we put on ourselves. 110%. The fact that I literally got to hang out with the third greatest test that, spinner the, the other day. If you were to tell me a year ago that, hey man, you're gonna go just hang out with Nathan Lyon for the day and film him, just doing whatever hell he does. I would have been like, nah, man. I think the biggest regret I have is never taking like a a gap year. Just having a year off after school to sort of just go try different shit would be like so beneficial because 18 to then make such a massive like choice for your life Mm. is, I don't know, like all of these people at the top of their game literally take on anything they can do to make their game better. And that's why I love working with athletes because they're all out there to do the exact same thing and that's to be the best. Talent only gets you so far. It's determination and hard Mm. work, man. And look, I'm not perfect by any means, man. Like, yeah. I eat junk food. Like I try my best, but it's just like if I can implement small little things that I know are going to make me better in every aspect of my life, like why would I not do it? Over the past few years, my life has completely changed. I've built one of Australia's most successful e-commerce startups, Happy Skin Co., generating over 10 million per year in sales and disrupting a billion-dollar industry in the process. I've now turned my passion for growth and personal development to bring you these honest and eye-opening conversations. This isn't just a business podcast. This is about the person underneath. This is about the journey. This is what it's really like. I'll be interviewing guests from all walks of life, each with their own unique perspectives and experiences, from the hardest day of their life to the biggest accomplishments and everything in between. My name is Dylan Mullen, and this is Life, Money, and Love. All right, Mitchell O'Connor, here we are. You know, the main reason I wanted to have you on, obviously we've had so many chats in our lives that are like a podcast, but there's one chat in particular why I wanted to have you on. I don't know if you remember it. Do you remember it was about probably two years ago after a net session we had one time after training and we were standing at our cars for like an hour after and we're talking about how far you'd already come and then you were kind of at the start of everything you've been doing now and trying to think, oh, these are the things I want to do. You're kind of still figuring out. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to achieve it, but this is my ideas. This is what I'm going to do. And that was kind of at the start of when you were like starting to think about putting out all this content. And you've been able to fucking change your life a lot in already like that, <laughs> that last what, 18 months, two years. So I think we thought back to that conversation and how much you've already been able to change your life. And I just thought, dude, that's so sick and like such a mad thing to be proud of. So yeah, congrats on the growth you've got in, in there, but thanks for coming on, man. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, thanks for that conversation mm. all those years ago. Yeah. Uh, I do want to start this podcast out by saying that I am like no one special by any mm. means, uh, which is obviously a good thing because like you don't need to be gifted to achieve things you yeah. just need a little bit of determination yeah. and a fair bit of hard work but yeah man appreciate uh being on this podcast with everyone else that you've had um so yeah thanks but that that's that's why your episode is like why i wanted to chat to you it's so relatable so many people are stuck in a job or a career or an industry that they hate and that was you and then you were determined to change your life and do something you enjoy because let's go back how long ago did you start being a sparky Oh man, oh god, it, it was a while. So I guess out of uh, out of school, I went to university for like a year and a half. Mm. Uh, I was studying like uh, physical education. Absolutely, oh, I didn't hate it, but yeah. then I think the biggest regret I have is never taking like a, a gap year. Yeah, man, dude. I think if I think if a lot of people, if they're younger, are listening to this, like just having a year off after school to sort of just go try different shit would yeah. be like so beneficial because I think like. 18 to then make such a massive like choice for your life is, 
I don't know. Like it's you're making it even really before then because like you. Pick, well, yeah, seventeen, pick, yeah, sixteen. Yeah, when you pick your electives, you picked your electives, and yeah. like you feel like you have to. You wasted the last two years if you don't pick a uni degree or a path yeah. that were kind of related to what you did then. Anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, I went to university, uh, stuck it out for a year and a half. Sort of figured out it wasn't really for me mm. uh, at the time. I was working for my old man. Uh, he has a pretty successful electrical company here yeah. in Sydney. Um, so I was just laboring for him, and then. I wanted to change to um, I wanted to change to like uh, creative advertisement or like oh, in yeah. that space, uh, but obviously going from physical education to that like it was there wasn't a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dropped out, and then my man's like, he's like, mate, if you're not studying, like you're gonna get a trade and <laughs> yeah. do all this stuff. So I was like, all right, man, sweet, no dramas then. <laughs> yeah. um, I got looked after pretty nicely though. I sort of got like the golden handshake, I guess. Like yeah. I was a first year apprentice on like okay money and like mm. a company car and stuff like that but i still like had to absolutely work my my ass off to yeah. get to where i was and then um yeah so did all that did the four years um is that the, how long an apprenticeship goes until you're fully registered yeah four years fuck i didn't know it was that long yeah i think like i think like it's meant to be four years but if like you're lucky you can get signed off like three and a half years in or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that uh, and then having obviously my dad be my boss i got signed off uh, pretty early what was that like? Is it, was it a good thing or a bad thing having your dad as a boss? <sighs> Dude, this is... <laughs> <laughs> um, back then, I thought it was the worst thing in the world. Okay. Now, I'm extremely grateful for every moment that I got with him. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm super appreciative because like now working for myself, yeah, I understand all the sacrifices and I understand why I'd like call him and mm. I wouldn't get my dad. I'd get my boss. Yeah. And... I'm just appreciative of what he sacrificed to create the lifestyle for like my brothers and I and like my family and stuff like that. So yeah. um, now I'm super grateful for it. Uh, but at the time it was like sort of bad, but then like sort of good. Like everyone in the company was just like assumed you were just a milk. Like you just milk it. You know mm. what I mean? But like I sort of was the opposite where like I would be the first person to show up to work and I'd be the last person to leave because I didn't want people to think that I'm here literally just making all this money doing fuck all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, cool, cool. All the time. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was good. Um, but yeah, no, nah, it was, I don't know. I do feel for people that do work with family because it can be very challenging. Yeah, oh, dude, I've worked with, I've worked with family. I think it's the best thing ever, but mm. like at times it's like, because I was, I was the opposite. I had my younger brother working for me. Mm. And like there were times he would like say shit back to me or be a little bit of a smart ass to me or my or my older or my older cousin who was our finance manager still is. And I'd be like, dude, if this was anyone else, you wouldn't fucking speak to your boss like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But again, now that he doesn't work for me full time and, and I don't work with my cousin full time anymore, I'm so grateful for that extra time you get to spend with your family. Cause like yeah. we're all so busy. You work eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Mm. You really only spend like such a small part when you're, once you're an adult of your, of your life with your family. So to be able to get those extra hours and months and years together, I think was sick. Yeah. I, I was like, my dad's company is like fairly big, like mm. 60 odd boys. So wow. yeah, like even when I was working with him, very rarely was it like me and him actually on a job site together. Okay, yeah. So, but whenever those jobs did come, like come around, it was a pretty cool time. Yeah. Uh, and I got to, I got to understand how my dad sort of works and I sort of got his framework for how he's built his company. And like, like they're one of the the leaders in like the railway for like electrical companies and stuff like yeah, that. And yeah. like, sort of like my dad sort of established himself as the man that you go to when no one else has an answer for something. Like the really tough work. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So 
that like that sort of image of him and like that model I've sort of been like I want to be that but in my own field yeah is which yeah. is why well what I'm what, what I'm trying to achieve like that level of expertise yeah yeah and now as well as being someone who runs your own businesses to understand the pressure that business oh. owners are in every day it's it's something you can only relate to if you've if you've gone out and done it anyone else like it's yeah until you've done it and you realize it's something that's always kind of on your mind like you can never there, fully switch off there is no off switch man yeah. like even the people that have like got an off switch for it, it's like you. It's, it's, I, if we were to, if you were to think of business, it's more like having like a dimmable light. Yeah, because yeah. it's like you you dim the light, and it's never completely blacked out. Yeah, like and that's how I sort of appreciate. Well, that's how I look at it now because if you actually do switch off, you're gonna lose. But when you when you are dimming the light, you're doing it consciously. Yeah. But even then, you're doing it as a, as a choice, mm. knowing that there are risks or consequences of doing that. You've yeah. just made the decision that yeah. fuck, I need it for my mental health to have like yeah. you know some amount of my weekends off where I try and not think about it. And then again, it was hard for me at the start to ever switch off. Mm. But then you start to realize, look, one little mistake, one little thing, the world isn't going to end tomorrow. Mm. But if I didn't be able to learn to switch that off to an extent, I'll just burn out too quickly. But yeah, man, it would have been, it would have been very interesting. At, at what point did you think that, so four years working with your dad? Yeah. Oh, I would have been with him for five because I was like laboring a year yeah. like, while I was at uni. At what point did you know you wanted to, to get out? Oh, Pretty, pretty early on, if I'm going to be honest, yeah. man. Yeah. I, um, it was never like my decision, I guess. Like it was never like my number one choice. Like, I actually want to do this. Mm. It was more like I got bit by the money bug. So like yeah. dropping out of uni and then I started laboring full time for like a little bit. And like you get, you get like, and especially because like my dad's company was in the railway. Like if you want to work 14 days straight and do 12 hour days, like you can. So yeah. like you could be making some like serious money. And at that age, you're making oh more, way more money than the rest of your mates most oh, of the time. Oh, dude, like I was going on holidays. <laughs> like I was doing all this stuff and I was just like, holy crap. And it was just like the ease of being able to like just go show up. Obviously the work wasn't exactly the greatest, but mm. like I could just make bank. Like I wanted to buy this thing, I'd go buy it. And yeah. it was like, it was simple as that. Um, but so like I'd always been into cameras. I remember mm. getting like the GoPro Hero 2 whenever that came out. And I remember like capturing the like the dumbest shit. Yeah. Like I remember like <laughs> being in high school and I think I went and filmed like me and the boys play like aqua golf at Penrith or something. Yeah, yeah. And I turned it into this edit, like, you know, film the golf ball, do this, do this other shit. And then, you know, obviously at that time, like YouTube was like blowing up massively. Mm. Like creators like Casey Neistat and stuff like that. You were just like, holy crap, this dude literally is yeah. getting paid to show and document his life. Yeah. Um, so my girlfriend saw that my obsession with cameras was like, you know, pretty like So the, that started high school. Well, cameras, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, cool. yeah. And then so fast forward to me being like 20, I guess. Mm. And though so I would have been working. This would have been like my second year of my apprenticeship. Um, my girlfriend Steph bought me my first DSLR camera. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of then transitioned into me taking photos for my dad's company. So like progress photos and stuff like mm. that. And then I was just like really, really obsessed with like just taking photos of anything, yeah. videoing anything. And then, yeah, I, I knew pretty much from that point onwards that I would like, this is what I wanted to do. I mm. wanted to make money with this camera. Um, yeah. and then. The only thing that was stopping me from like just quitting my apprenticeship was like, I just wanted to be like get my license yeah. and then be like, I've got this thing. I can fall back onto it yeah. when shit hits a fan. Cause being a creator, it's a big risk, right? Well, yeah, man. Like mm. it's, it's all on you, right? Mm. Like there's, 
as much as you can obviously have like lots of companies want to work with you and stuff like that, at the end of the day, the person who creates the income for you is mm. yourself. You got to get up and go do it, right? Yeah. Um, so like the biggest thing for me was like, I need to get this license. I need to be like, be yeah. able to do this. And then, um, I guess the other thing that was sort of helping me motivate me to do that was like, we had always planned to move overseas. Yeah. Um, and so I can, I've honestly, it, so I passed my electrical license test, so like the capstone yeah, and then didn't work a day as a licensed electrician for a year and a half afterwards because really? I literally sat the test. And then, so with how it's, with how it sort of works is mm. that you sort of know immediately whether or not you like you pass or fail because okay. the teachers there just marked you. Cause like, yeah. it's, it's a big thing. You work four years for this moment. Yeah. Right. So they're just like, we're not going to make you wait. Yeah. Um, and then two days later I left the country. <laughs> did you did you already have planned to go to Canada by then? Like yeah, you know exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like that was always the plan. Uh my two best mates had already moved over there. Mm. Um and then yes, Steph and I moved over. And like that was like then was then the next level for me in my creative journey. Cause like I literally was in a place that I loved with mm. just endless amounts of opportunity to create. All right. So talk to me about moving over to Canada. Mm. Did you, like you had your jobs lined up. Where did you first go? Was it Whistler? No. Nah, so like yeah. it's a, it's a little uh, ski town called Big White. Yeah. Uh, so you live on the mountain. It's like full, like snow globe vibes. Like you literally, it's a 50 minute drive up there. Yeah. Everyone sort of knows everyone. You don't really sort of leave. Um, and I literally just worked inside like a rental shop mm. um, and just gave people snowboards and skis predominantly more snowboards because I stayed away from skis. <laughs> Not, I don't mean to hate skis or anything like that, but it's just sort of who I am. Uh, but while I was there, I reached out to like the social media team there and was like, hey, like this is what I do. If you guys ever need a hand, happy yeah. to help you out. And it sort of happened. I just started filming snowboarders and skiers like nearly every single day. Like when you live on the hill, you ride as much as you possibly can. So I think mm. in the first year, like I got like 80 days in. Yeah. No, I would have got 70 days in the first year, 80 days the next year after. Um, and every every moment I got in my spare time to film someone do something epic, I did it. Yeah. And it was the best way for me to be where I am right now because, like, I'm 100% like, 100 like self-taught. Like, didn't yeah. obviously go to university for film, didn't go mm. with, like, nothing. I literally just bought the cameras, which was another good reason, or which was a good thing about being a Sparky was because I was on stupid money. Yeah. I could afford. Get this stuff. Like, whatever. It was just like, cool. Like, if I want to go buy this $4,000 camera, mm. all right, I'm going to work two weekends overtime and I'm literally just going to cash it straight in across to that. So you were And then especially, sorry, yeah, especially yeah. because I started taking photos for my dad's company. Yeah. It all then became a tool for me in tax time. Yeah. Because I was, like, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, when did you start actually semi taking this photography, videography thing serious when you were working with your dad or was it when you went to Canada and you're like, nah, I'm doubling down and trying to commit to a career in creation? So it would have been like, I, I didn't take it like fully serious while I was working for my dad because I was only ever like taking photos of construction sites. Like mm. I think I might've taken a couple images for like a, like one of Steph's like friends company or something like that. Maybe yeah. I did like a couple birthday parties or something yeah. like that. I wasn't really like super serious on like what direction I wanted to take my, my, my creative journey with it. It wasn't until I moved to Canada where I was like, okay, no, this is where I want to go with it. Yeah. And uh, Yeah. Did you ever move into like the like social media team or video team over there? Because you were shooting 
heaps of stuff. Was that just you meeting people? Just honestly meeting people, man. And mm. like, it was as simple as that. Like in the town was so like, so the hill itself was like, there was a lot of people there, but everyone sort of knew everyone. And then like, I quickly became the dude who was like always like following people with a gimbal and a camera inside yeah. the train park. And like, once you sort of know a couple of people and those people tell people, and it's just like, there's not many people in the world, especially in like the snowboard world where it's like, hey man, I'm going to film this clip for you for free. Yeah. Do you want it? They're not going to say no. <laughs> yeah. And like, and that's sort of how I could just gain these relationships with these people and then just continue to just have content on the go. Cause mm. I was like constantly, even to this day, like I still go shoot people for free. Yeah. Just because yeah. I purely enjoy doing it. Yeah. Why, why do you do that? Like, well, because it gives you an opportunity to learn mm. and like grow more importantly. Like for instance, there's like a, there's like a, a soccer player that plays for the Matildas that I'm going to go work with next week. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know you. So mm. I'm not going to be like, hey, here's my rates. I'm going to offer my time to you for free to build a relationship yeah. and then see what that can give me. Mm. Like it is technically, I guess, in my mind, it's like an investment of my time. Yeah. But I know that like my four hours of me giving my time to her with my equipment could potentially build a relationship with one of her sponsors down the track. Yeah. But also where you are now with, with everything that you're doing and, and obviously now getting paid a mm. good amount of money to do this stuff, you never would have been in that position with this amount of skills and experience if you didn't put in all those hours nope. of work for free, particularly being someone who like was self-taught completely, right? 100%, man. Mm. And even still to this day, I remember early on in the, like, the, like, early on in the piece, people would be like, oh, did you study? Did you study? And I was like, no, I just, mm. I just still don't believe that a degree is needed for creativity. No. Like, and at the end of the day, the way I sort of look at it is that like a camera is the same as a drill. Like yeah. the more time you spend using it, the better you're going to get yeah. with it. You know what I mean? So, so it was just all like YouTube videos and then you go test it, play around with it yourself. 100% man. Mm. I would literally consume, obviously there's a, a bucket load of creators online. Yeah. But then like the most, like the, the most I learned was always out in the field. Yeah. Because like. That's where you. Be, that's where you come across more mistakes because it's like, yeah. why is this image so blown out? Oh, okay, I don't understand how ISO works. Okay, why is my image so dark? Oh, it's because my my aperture is so high. And like, you you're not going to learn that by just sitting there watching videos. You need to grab mm. the camera by your hands and go. All right, I'm going to figure you out and do it out in the field. It's the best mm. way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. And at what point did you start like? getting a bit of traction where you've been doing all this stuff for people for free. And then at what point was the first time that people like, nah, Mitch, we want to come pay you film this event or film this thing. When did that start to happen? Well, it would have been when I like, eventually moved back to Canada. Um, so while I was over there, I ended up moving to Whistler mm -hmm. towards the end of my visa over there. And I, um, I got a job as like a photographer for like a zip lining company over there. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much man was like the best time of my life. I would yeah. hang out in the mountains uh on like on this tower and then like groups of people would come in and they'd zip line and i'd literally have you seen that south park episode no. anyway oh god there's an episode and pretty much there's someone who does what i was doing in the episode but um and i would just take photos of people zip lining yeah like I'd, I'd, i was in charge of like taking 10 frames of every single person yeah and then you'd give the sd card to the guide and then they'd zip down and yeah. then you'd sell the photos wow so i did that and then i quickly got moved up to like supervisor of the photography team there mm -hmm. uh I guess just from like having experience, like running my own jobs and stuff when yeah. I was an electrician sort of helped. Um, and then it was just bliss, man. Like I'd, like I said, man, like I'd spend like 10 to 12 hours on my own in the mountains, like mm. bears there, like yeah. just crazy. And it was just amazing. And like that really gave me the the confidence to be like, oh, okay, cool. I can do this in Canada. Like I'm 110% going to be able to do this when I move back to Australia. Mm. 
Um, and so when I came back to Australia, um, I obviously opened up my own, like I got like an ABN and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And like really started to just hustle and grind and like just mm -hmm. like message so many people about just doing it. And eventually I landed this job with like a, it was like the indoor motocross dome at Eastern Creek. Mm. Um, I sort of went on as their like, I guess, content team, social like social media. team, did everything. And then that in itself, it didn't last very long. It was only there for like three months before the business obviously sort of went, had a bit of an issues with some other financial stuff. But mm. it like, like it connected me with like, so many good friends to this day. Mm. One thing about Canada, it wasn't just like the start of your like career in content creation. It was also like a time where you really started to like move a lot more forward in terms of your self-development or personal growth. Journey, yeah. Right? Yeah. Big time. And uh, so obviously it, it, like I've always been into well, working in a job that you hate, you try to develop skills to make that job not as bad, right? Yeah. So like through my time as a Sparky, I remember listening to uh, a Jocko Wilson, uh, it might've been like a podcast or something. And he mm. spoke about having a cold shower every morning because, and this was before Wim Hof had come out and spoken about why it's so good. Yeah. He was just doing it because he goes, if you do something you hate first thing in the morning, the rest of the day will be easy. Yeah. So like I started like implementing like cold showers like, would have been like 20 years old or something. And yeah. I have, I've honestly, to this day, I've only ever missed one day. No way. One day. Winter as well. Yeah. For winter Canada as, well, as well, mate. Canada as well. I've only missed one day. Why'd you miss that day? <laughs> I just, I, I physically couldn't. Uh, I was staying at this person's house. They were doing bathroom renovations. <laughs> uh, so the bathroom I was meant to use was, was out. And then the only other bathroom was in their room and I had to get up early and leave. And I wasn't mm. going to be like, Hey, I need to come <laughs> yeah. in and use your bathroom so I can have a cold shower. Um, but yeah, so I was all, I was always interested in like self-development and like things to just make you a better person every single day. Mm. Like, you know, we're so lucky to like exist. So like, why not try to be the best version of yourself? Mm. Um, and then, so in that time in Whistler, like really got massively into like self-development and like I know you know of Dr. Joe Dispanza. Mm. like I'd honestly kiss that guy if I saw him <laughs> in your life man like straight out he is hands down an absolute just if you haven't heard of him like I highly recommend looking into yeah. him um but yeah so like meditation gratitude everything else man and uh yeah so that was like really like snowballed from there and like meditate every day like I try everything to make myself better every day so what were some of the biggest breakthroughs you had while, while you're over in Canada, like personally? Oh man. Um, just understanding that like, you know, like time is like so precious. And like, if you're not actually waking up and like doing something that's going to be like be positive to you, like, why are mm. you doing it? Like while I was in Canada, I also like, like did like I quit drinking. Cause I yeah. was like, like alcohol is like sort of pointless. Yeah. <laughs> like I still, like, I drink now, but it's never to the, like the extent that I used to when I was young. Like, that was wild, man, what we used to do. Dude, like. insane. And, like, it's just, like, I got to the point where, and especially in Whistler, of all places, like, it is a, literally a party, a party town. town. Like, dude, I had no friends while I was there because, like, everyone's like, yeah, we're going to have for drinks after work. And I'm like, yeah, man, like, I don't drink. And they're like, <laughs> why not? Yeah. And it's like, it was so strange. And, like, I had to challenge, like, the, the, the environment challenged me so much because I was, like, it was the first time I'd actually been, like, have people be like, why are you doing that? Like, why mm. are you actually really doing it? And then it's like, well, you know, alcohol technically is poison. It's, yeah. it's actually not good for you. Yeah. But they're like, yes. Yeah. So I'm just like, well, I'm like, well, man, like it really made me like actually question who I was and like 
why I was even trying to do what I was doing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and um, yeah, but it was it was like crazy in that aspect. And then yeah, I guess I don't even know what the question was. Sorry, but I don't yeah, know, but with that as well, people do the same sort of thing to me. Like if ever I've because for me, if I've implemented a habit that I know is good for me, mm. then I'll just stick to it one hundred percent. Even if there's no logical reason yeah. to not break that any time, like couple things for me like chlorophyll i drink every day yeah everyone's like why the fuck do you drink that i'm like because it's i know it's good for me and that i explain it to me why and i'm like oh, i don't really care enough to mm. tell you all the benefits but they're like oh why do you do it? i'm just like I, I know it's good for me i decided to do it so i do it like yeah. why would i question yeah something's good to me same thing for me stop dating meat like whatever three years ago and mm. like i don't care if you eat meat like go mm. on eat meat i don't eat meat because i felt better doing it and that's it and like and having that black and white mentality if i decide something's good for me it's so much easier than to live if I'm going to go out, oh, am I going to eat meat today? No, nah, I shouldn't. Or maybe I yeah. will. Like if you can just have that black and white mentality, if something's good for you, it's just so much easier to stick to it for me anyway. Yeah. That, and that's the same concept for me, man. It's just like, does that thing make me a better person? Mm. Yes or no? Yeah, that's a big it's one. It's as simple right? as that, man. Like like I like to I like to call it Roy, obviously like return on investment. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, my good friend Roy, whenever I'm having a conversation in my own head or with someone, I bring in Roy and it's just like, you know, obviously rest in peace, Roy Simmons. Yeah, that's obviously. what I thought he was like, Roy. Yeah, but like, you know, what am I actually getting back from this interaction? What yeah. am I going to get? Like, and look, I'm not perfect by any means, man. Like yeah. I eat junk food. Like I try my best, but it's just like, if I can implement small little things that I know are going to make me better in every aspect of my life, like why would I not do it? Yeah. And so I guess that was sort of the biggest thing when I was in Whistler was that like, I really started to understand that and like actually just think about like my own self-awareness and where my actual brain goes and then like, you know, it was massive for me because, like, you know, I had some demons. Obviously, growing up, everyone has their own demons. But, like, through meditating and reliving those moments, it was, like, those things I used to fear actually were the biggest pivotal moments of my life that changed me on other directions. Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't really care. But, like, I remember having this one night out with, like, with my friend Moose and we were yeah. just absolutely so off it. And it was, yeah. like, hands down the most scary experience of my life. And I used to fear it. I used to be like, I'd never want to shut my eyes and see that night ever again, like straight out. And I was like, that was one of the main things that scared me from ever meditating because I was like, I don't want to relive that. But then like through educating myself on how sort of meditation works and then like how people also obviously like practice gratitude and stuff like that, mm. I was able to sort of dive back into that moment and be like, that was the greatest moment of my life because it put me on the straight and narrow to be like, okay, I'm done with that scene. Really? And straight out, it did. Like, I never touched anything after that night. I was just like, that's me done. And, like, so I've gone from, like, I'm scared of it to, like, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Because, I don't know, if I if I didn't get scared from that night, like, who knows what dumb other shit I would have done. Mm. So that was probably the biggest thing that happened, like, starting my journey over there and then, like, continuing to do all of it now back home in Australia. It was just been, like, ridiculous. So it was like a bit of a rock bottom moment. I wouldn't say it was like rock bottom, but it was definitely like, hey, you're dancing with the devil and it can go one or two ways. Mm. And I was like, I'm done. Why do you think you avoided it for so long? Where was the fear in that? Oh, it just was like, because it was scary, man. Yeah. Like, it was like proper, like, just like, you know, it was the first time that my brain had been pushed to like a, a different place while like, mm. you know, having a, a night out. And I was like, whoa, man, this is, this is not fun, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, like you said, those moments are the greatest moments of oh. like change, like initiating hundred percent change, yeah, hundred percent. Mm. And like, you know, we probably all look back in our lives, and there's probably moments that we like, you know, we regret or we like, we fear. But like, 
if you can somehow go back to that moment and be grateful for it, you'd be surprised of how important it was to your like current direction. Yeah. That's like, like, I look at it right now. Cause like for the longest time, I absolutely hated being an electrician, mm-hmm. but like if I was never an electrician, I never would have been making the money I was making. Mm. I never would have hated my life so much that I wouldn't actually want to strive for something better. Mm. So it's like, you just got to be grateful for it. All your biggest fuck ups and mistakes, they're the, they're the biggest gifts that you can get, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Oh, for sure. And they're just fuel to the fire. But also, you don't know, like if I didn't do law and realize I fucking hated it, I never would have, yeah, wouldn't, never would have had the clarity now like that I have, you know what I mean? I remember watching a Casey Neistat video and he said something that stuck with me ever since. And he goes, the best place to find something you love is by doing things you absolutely hate. Because you're going to find a lot more things you hate until you find something that you actually love mm. doing. So. Say that again. So like <laughs> the best place to find something that you love is by doing a lot of things that you hate because you're going to find more things that you hate mm-hmm. until before you find something that you love. Did you find anything else you hated? No, I was pretty lucky that I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty lucky, man. Uh, one, was, one, one. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. I was pretty lucky. Well, one. no, even to the point now, like, I'm like, obviously pretty well established in what I do and stuff like that. But like, I'm still, I'm happy where I am, but like, I know there's more for me to do. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about when you, when you were back in Australia. Mm. Um, and you started getting into content creation for action sports and, yeah. and, and uh, traditional sports and mm. kind of the first few steps and the first few dominoes that fell and how you ended up working like as yeah. the videographer for the Sydney Sixers, which was yeah. something I thought was so epic, obviously. Yeah, dude. It was it was a good time. Um, so, yeah, the motocross dome really opened a lot of doors for me. I met um, Lance Russell, who was like one of Australia's like uh, freestyle riders, and then Dylan Wills, uh, he's one of Australia's, I don't know, like top five motorbike mm. riders as well for good like motocross. Well. Yeah, good name. Um, <laughs> and yeah, man, so I just started aligning myself with people who do epic things. And, you know, before you start, before you know it, you're opening doors to so many other things, man. And it's like, I was really lucky that in the motorbike world, it, especially here in Australia, is that it sort of disappeared. Like not many people really knew it existed and, like, I'd just come from, like, the snow world where, like, everybody sees people snowboarding. Mm. Like, Scotty James has, like, a, a, his brother travel with him full time to film him. Yeah. And I was, like, I came into this environment with motorbikes and I was, like, why isn't this getting shown to more people? Because, mm. like, it's bloody intense, man. Like, yeah. it's dangerous as hell. Like, you come off a bike and, like, you could, like, you could die. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure, like, like yeah. 100%. And so um, I sort of just – I don't want to say, like, I, like, changed it by any means but i was just shining a light on my friends yeah and you know i was lucky enough that we all just aligned and doors started opening um were you mates with brad jenner the guy who used to do all that crazy motor stuff yeah as well? i was mates with him but i never like we were just on a completely different path like, yeah, I, yeah. I like i knew all those boys from like westfields and stuff like yeah, that yeah because what were they doing what was he doing, like crusty demons he still does it man he worked really? yeah he worked no nah, he wasn't on crusties but he was um I don't know. He like has his own show. Like he was, he literally just did the Easter show and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's wild, man. I yeah. Did you ride moto when you were a kid? Oh, dude. Yeah, but never like good. Yeah, yeah. Like I had like a, an old like, XR hundred or something like mm. that. Like I was never. I remember. <laughs> I remember being like fourteen, and I remember pulling out my motorbike in front of the garage, and I laid on it, and made like I tried to look up set as possible to be yeah. like, be like, mom, like I need, a, I need a faster bike. <laughs> uh, that didn't go to plan. Well, what's your favorite sport to shoot now? Do you think? This is like, uh, I, I thought you'd ask me this question and I, I don't really have an answer because mm. I think that motocross is definitely a very difficult sport to film because of how fast it is. But then yeah. I can say the exact same thing about basketball. Okay. And like the thing that I'm addicted to the most is 
capturing a moment in time to watch back forever. Yeah. Like that's like the core of who I am is that, that concept still blows my mind that we live in such a, a cool age where like in 50 years time, if I wanted to, I could watch my whole life back in like 1080 HD, 4K, <laughs> you know what I mean? On YouTube. Like we're so blessed to have like these incredible phones in our pockets that have ridiculous cameras where we're, we're blessed to have these cameras that are filming us right now mm. um, to like literally capture our lives and, uh, yeah, man. Like, I think that at, at my core, that's why I love it. But I think basketball is the most challenging. Motocross is the most rewarding for me personally. Why is it the most rewarding? I don't know because it's sort of like the sport that gave me like this like yeah. this journey, right? It yeah. like really sort of opened everything up for me. Do you me. still do much of that now that you're doing all these other sports? Like, yeah, I literally motor? fly fly up. To, well, don't fly. I drive up to Maitland tomorrow to yeah. to film. Or to, I don't know. I'm. Cap, I'm doing photos for like Fox racing yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. See that thing you just said about your favorite thing is about being able to capture this moment in time. Mm. When did you first get the idea? When did you start doing those epic videos every every time it's Steph's birthday? Because it's kind of connected to that, right? You yeah. All these yeah. Moments. Well, like we we were just sort of lucky that there was a period of our life where we would just spend as much time like traveling and just doing as much as we could, and I was just always capturing it. Mm. But like, I know I know that like concept started for me as a kid. And I don't know about you. I know you lived a lot with your grandparents and stuff, yeah. but like, I remember when I'd go to my nan's house, I would spend hours just looking at photo books, man. Like, I don't mm. know if you did the same yeah. thing, but like, dude, and it was the coolest thing to me. Mm. I was just like, this is so epic. Um, even more to the point now that I've actually like started shooting film, like properly shooting film and getting it developed and stuff like that. Ah, I've gone like yeah. reverse. That's Cause it's sick. like, cause it's just, a, it's a different way to like sort of capture. Um, but yeah, like that whole thing with Steph, it was just like, I don't know. Like it, I just enjoy that concept of like, it was mm. cool to the point where I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can actually capture your whole birthday year and then make a video to give <laughs> to you at the end of it. And be like, Hey, here's what you did for the year of being 27. Yeah, like, it's, do you know, it was actually so upsetting mm. and I didn't, it obviously didn't like know this at the time, but like Steph obviously turned like 30 this year mm. and the last two years, like we've got nothing. Like yeah. I've literally got nothing. I had nothing to be like, I was like, I was like, babe, I'm so sorry, but like, we've literally done nothing because yeah. we couldn't do anything. Well, like one trip to Parisha. Yeah, like, like, yeah, I did one trip to Parisha, <laughs> and then our, and then, then obviously COVID happened. So yeah. it was like, it was really upsetting. But um, yeah. But man, that's so sick. My mum literally sent me a photo two days ago mm. of I think I was. She said I'm about eight, mm. and my granddad was holding me up, and I'm like, fuck, like photos you've never seen before yeah. from like legit 20 years ago they're priceless now like you wish there was more you know and, and that's the thing man like a lot of people will probably judge someone who works in this field as like maybe having your camera out when you shouldn't and like this whole concept of like live in the moment i'm okay. like i'm like you know you can live in the moment and still capture the moment right and like mm. those people that you know question those people that are you know if you go to a festival whatever it is and they're filming the whole time like you don't know that person's story. That could be their first festival. It could be their favorite artist and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't know. I would much rather make it to 80 and be like, I have this bank of like my, what I did with my life. Yeah. Then be like, oh, I, I went to a festival one time and like I sort of remember it. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, man, I've got it in 4K. Like I don't care. Yeah. Do you actually look back on all your old stuff though? 100%. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to see how far you've come, man. Mm. And especially in like the creative field, it's like, oh, Here's what I used to think was cool. And then like, here's what I'm doing now. And it's like polar, like so different. Looking back, all right, looking back five years ago, Mitch, how is he different to the Mitch that sits here today? That's a, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a deep question, man. Um, definitely my mindset is like a thousand times different. 
I'm a massive believer in obviously manifesting and me and you have had mm. many conversations about this. Uh, I'm much more aware that whatever I desire, I have the ability to create. Um, and then from like a creative standpoint is that like what I think is possible is not even close to what is actually possible for me to achieve. Yeah. Like the fact that I literally got to hang out with, you know, the third greatest test spinner that the other day yeah i like if you were to tell me like a year ago that hey man you're gonna go just hang out with nathan lyon for the day and film him just doing mm -hmm. whatever hell he does and yeah. like i would have been like nah man no no way but mm -hmm. now that's literally what i'm like what is happening to me and it's like well if that's happening now like i can't like i can't even imagine what's going to be happening in a year's time the only limits that exist in life are the limits we put on ourselves 110 percent, man I wish more people understood. This is another like weird concept that my brain sort of has, but like people have so many limiting beliefs, but yet you put two humans together, you can literally create a life. The body technically heals itself, mm. but you're telling me you can't do something. And like all the people that have achieved all the things that people dream to, to achieve, they're just people as well. There's nothing different. Yeah. There is nothing different except the mindset of every single one of those people. When did you start to realize, like first, when did you realize that? And then when did you really start believing that? So for the longest time, I always had heaps of deja vu. Okay. And I was like, this is weird. And like, I don't understand it. And then I started to realize that, hold on, no, this is just like a, a mental note saying like, oh, you've actually envisioned this and now it's happening. Cause that's what I think deja vu is. And like, so, I don't really have like a, a like a specific time that actually is like <laughs> due to work, but the the thing that is the thing that sticks in my head the most, and I don't want this to be like a cricket podcast, but like our grand final, like yeah. well, two years ago, yeah, I remember Chris coming up to us, one of the guys in the team, and he's like, "Oh, you nervous?" And I said to him, "Not nervous at all." And he yeah, goes, "Well, wow. why?" And I'm like, "Because I literally envisioned me playing that innings mm. for like five months straight." Yeah. Every morning, every time I meditated. And it sounds so dumb, I guess, to some people to be like, why the hell is this dude literally meditating about playing a good cricket in here? I love sport. Man. Yeah. You love sport. Yeah. Like, fucking lean into what you yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Right. And at the time, it was something that I was like really enjoying because like, it was like my first season back in so yeah. many years because I'd been away. And like, I knew that day when I went and hit those runs and did what I did mm. that I already knew that was going to happen. And that was like the first time that I was like, oh, holy crap. Like, I'd actually seen this and then I went and did it. And it yeah. actually properly happened. So ever since that, ever since then, sorry, I've literally just been like, whatever I see in my head will come to fruition. Even to the point of me then working in that environment with the Sydney Sixers, yeah. like I had seen it. I'd already seen it. Well, to that, like this just goes to show the power of like your thoughts and your mind. Like obviously that year I did really good batting mm. the whole time. And you know what fucking threw me off in the mm. grand final? Is because, you know, I, there was a certain batting order that I said, if we start with that, I'm going to, I may as well open the batting. There's no fucking point. Yeah. And as soon as I knew we were doing this like weird random stuff. Yeah. And again, what was, I was in there second over. I'm like, fuck in my own head. I'm like, I shouldn't be batting yet. This yeah. is so stupid. Why did we do this? And because I'm thinking like that, mm. that's why, yeah. you know what I mean? Didn't have my best day. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know. Obviously, like manifesting, meditating, all that stuff is like ridiculously. Mm. And like the thing that changed me massively on it was obviously once again, Dr. Joe, because he yeah. like scientifically proven mm. like how it sort of works. And like, you know, the body realistically just follows whatever the mind tells it to do. So if you can envision a certain scenario or somewhere where you want to be and you can attach an emotion to it, the body just follows it because yeah. the body doesn't know any different. It's the mind that knows everything. 
So I once, like, you know, that concept was put onto me and I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to see something I want. I'm going to attach an emotion to it and I'm going to let it do its thing. I'm going to trust completely into the unknown, into this vision inside my head. And it's sort of working. <laughs> it's so true, but it can go, if you're not careful, it can happen the other way. 100%. Like, 100%. You sit down like that, that day after when you were batting, thank God you saved us because we were the best team by far. If we had lost that grand final, man, I would have been spewing. But I was sitting there, I got out, and then Kurum got out, and then I'm, I'm, I'm in such a bad mood, man. Yeah. I was filthy. And then the next day I go home, I'm like, nah, there's no way I'm letting this weekend you know, go to waste. You know what's so funny? Was mm. that something that sat in my head too as soon as we got there and you said that that ground's so big, like who's going to hit a six? Yeah, yeah. I literally took that as like a personal fuck you and I literally yeah. went out and proved you wrong. Yeah. That was, yeah. a, that, was a, that was a fucking sick day, man, to yeah. win the grand final. I remember, yeah. like, I hardly bowled the whole year, and then I'm like, I didn't bat enough in the grand final. I'm bowling. Yeah. I had to contribute, but I remember thinking we had, we need, like, one more wicket. You know, we're like, yeah. everyone, like, take turns off the field. I'm like, bro, put me back on the field. <laughs> yeah. I'm not being sitting on the sideline when we win. Like, but yeah. I was like, yeah. dude, even though it's just park cricket, we're hanging out with your mates. like. But it's the concept, man. And, like, it was the framework. It was something small which gave me the confidence to go big yeah. in terms of, like, okay, yes, I – I manifested a certain situation in a park cricket game. Yeah. But it was the form work. It was the it was like the foundation of like, oh, okay, if this works in this in scenario, why won't it work here? Yeah. And so it gave me the ability to be like, all right, cool. That was a small task. Now mm. let's go massive. Yeah. And I've continued to just how did the Sixers thing because I know that kind of bled into that. How yeah. did the Sixers thing first come up? Well, to be honest with you, man, I was actually really upset when I got the job with them because prior to that, I was like uh, I'd applied for this job with Red Bull. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I, I made I made it down to like the final two candidates and uh, obviously the process went for so long. I, it was the first time I'd ever like had to like out of school, I had to do like a presentation about like why you should pick me and I was yeah. just like, holy fuck, like, this is so strange. Um, but anyway, so I remember like I, I saw the Sixers gig pop up uh, and I just like threw the resume at it because like, mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. Like I like cricket, but like, you know, I, at that time I was like, no, I'm going to be like the best action sport content creator, like fucking dirt bikes, mountain bikes, everything else. Yeah. And then um, didn't get the job of Red Bull. Yeah. Was heartbroken. Yeah. Because leading up to that moment, I was like of the belief that whatever I fucking see and I can achieve. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And I was like shattered. I was so depressed. I was so bad. And then I like at the time I was like um, one of my clients was like a, a motorcycle company, and so I was in it. I was in their their workshop, and I remember just getting this like phone call, and they were just like, "Hey, we just want you to, you know, it's the it's cricket New South Wales. We just want to see if you want to interview. Oh, sorry, if you like, yeah, you like you got an interview." And I was like, "Oh, cool." Yeah. And then um, it was sort of a blessing that I didn't get the job at Red Bull because I was so prepared for an interview, this next interview, because it happened like a week after. Yeah. So like I had just interviewed for the company that I thought I'd always wanted to work for. So I was so, I was like so prepared and I literally just regurgitated everything <laughs> that I said to Red Bull to Cricket New South Wales and they were like, sweet. Yeah. And then before I knew it, I was hanging out with all these cricketers again and I was just like, what is going on? And luckily they put you in the right Sydney team, <laughs> not yeah. the Sydney Thunder, the Sydney Sixers. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel about not getting that Red Bull gig now? Oh, it was yeah, I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, see? 100%. It's, yeah. Everything happens the way it's meant to, and you might yeah. not always see it straight away, but... Dude, in, in in one of my meditations, like, one of the big sentences that sticks with me is just, like, trust in the unknown. Trust in the unknown. And just, just like, just give it. Just 
put fo- if you wake up every day and you put your right foot forward and you're doing the right things and you're like you know you're being grateful you're fucking you love everyone around you you're so happy for your family and stuff like that i don't know just that's my big thing at the moment it's just trusting the unknown um and it yeah what was it like working with the sixes and like all these cricketers that we've watched on tv for like the last five, 10 years. Yeah. It was, it was obviously amazing. Yeah. Um, but it broke a lot of barriers, man. Like, um, obviously we naturally as cricket fans put them on like a pedestal of who they are as people and stuff mm. like that. And they're just, they're just normal dudes who are really good at what they do, man. Yeah. But the it's best just a sport at the end dude, of the day here the, as well. Right? The best thing about it was being surrounded in an environment of people who are addicted to being better. That was the best thing about it. And it was the best thing for me as well because I had a chance every single day to go get better at my craft with these people who were trying to do the exact same yeah. thing. And, like, I'd obviously, you know, Australian dream, grow up, be a cricketer. I know you would have had the same thing. And I was like, man, this is as close as I'm ever going to get. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm now here as a videographer or a content creator, I guess. Like, I need to make sure that I'm, like, on my game. And in that time, I just was just like, anything that I can do to be better, I was, like, addicted to it. Did any, did any of the players that – sorry to cut you off. Did mm. any of the players that were there stand out to going above and beyond even the other guys to get better and improve every day? 100%, yeah. Jordan Silk was definitely one of the ones that first stood out to me. Yeah. Like, if you're not a cricket fan, you're not going to understand anything I'm about to say. But, like, <laughs> he is one of Australia's best fielders who probably unfortunately – well, he might make him to an Australian team. I don't know. Mm. But, like, he is ridiculous at fielding, and it's because he will literally field for, like, three hours after every training session. And it's just, like – there's a reason why you see him do these freakish things because that's the norm for him. Yeah. Um, but then all of them, man, like all of them do extras. Like they all like they all just practice so hard on what they do, and it's just it was just such a such a great environment to be in. And um, like I, I've sat behind Silk out a game when he was out in the boundary, and mm. every ball he's 50, 60, 70 meters from the batter. Every ball he's completely switched on. He has the same trigger. He's like so tuned in every time. Yeah. It's not just this, oh, he's just naturally gifted. Sure, that might be part of it, but it's that meticulous work ethic, yeah. the attention to detail yeah. that is the difference. Like you can't just be super talented and be guaranteed to be the best in the world. There's no chance. No, man. Talent only gets you so far. It's determination and hard mm. work, man. Like you even look at across any sport, like all of them, like Steph Curry, for example, right? He's not exactly the tallest guy. He's not exactly the biggest guy. But I can guarantee you he'd be the first person to enter the gym and the last person to leave the gym. And that's why he literally holds the three-point record because yeah. he literally works so hard at it. And it's all of them, man. Like all of these people at the top of their game literally take on anything they can do to make their game better. Like obviously like Kobe used to be massive on visualization. He'd go mentally shoot like – jump shots in his head before actually physically picking up the ball and it's just like that environment dude is just it is the most addicting thing and that's why i love working with athletes because yeah. they, they're all out there to do the exact same thing and that's to be the best and you and i both know that we're both extremely competitive yeah it definitely helps yeah oh dude maybe a little bit too competitive <laughs> for, the, <laughs> yeah. for the level we play but i'm like this is the, obviously i'm not going to play for australia no, this is my like, yeah. chance to express my creativity and and, and competitiveness through sport and like mm. we go hard and yeah. like get good results because we take it so seriously like yeah but it, it transitions into everything that we do yeah it's not just obviously on like a sport level like you're obviously super competitive on a business level like you want to create this massive thing mm. and it's the same thing for me like and it can obviously be a, like a blessing and a curse because, you know, you can also have that imposter syndrome that you never think you're good enough or everything else it is. And like, even when you achieve to the levels that you think that you wanted to be at, you're like, oh no, sorry, I still want more. 
Mm. Um, but I still think it's a much more positive environment to be around in. How has self-belief, how, how, how much of a, a factor has self-belief played in kind of your like growth and your life changes? Massive, man. It's like massive, but like it takes time. It's not something that you can like have in the beginning. <laughs> Obviously, like when I started off in this journey, like I would wait on a client's feedback because I was like, okay, you know more than I do. But now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, if I'm good enough for this person and they're stoked with it, I'm like, all right, sweet. That's good enough yeah. for me. Like now I, li- I could, I don't know, maybe I couldn't go shoot like a Marvel movie, but I reckon I could go, pr- I reckon I give it a red hot crack. Yeah. Yeah. So you said it took time. What, what was part of the process to build that? Just getting results or? Yeah. Results, courage. And then it's experience, man. Like you, you, you need that constant work behind you need to be able to go shoot something 600 times to be like oh, okay cool i can mm. literally do this with my eyes closed mm. like the first couple of times are always going to be scary but then like once you have that sort of belief behind you it's like all steam all go ahead what was it like when you were with the sixes and then you just got pulled into the bubble <laughs> obviously not a lot of people have probably been in like a, a sport bubble um and up until that point i was very much of the opinion that like you know, these people on X amount of dollars, you should perform. It's as simple as that. But being trapped in a hotel is hands down one of the, the hardest things I've ever done. I've never been one to have like anxiety or anything like that. It was the first time ever in my whole entire life that I was like anxious to go outside because like I didn't want to catch the, I didn't want to catch the Rona mm. and then potentially give it to the team, which was like the most scary thought. Yeah. And then there was like, you know, there was all these like, Leading up into the comp, there was all these like massive things, like massive chats about like how much money the game loses if a game doesn't go ahead and stuff like that. But yeah, living in like a, a bubble was was tough, man. Like we eventually got put into just small bubbles. So it was like I was with two other guys and then we could only talk to ourselves outside of the hotel and then we could only travel to the games of ourselves and then we'd get to the game and we'd sort of just have to just be like, spread apart and not really talk to anyone else and it's wild yeah man it was it was a tough month man who like, were you with again flip and uh, yeah else? i was with philippi and ben yeah ben dorsius oh, yeah nice. a good bubble though yeah it was good they were really good man they were really accepting of me because like at the end of the day like i'm just a videographer like they yeah. don't really have to give me any of their time yeah yeah, yeah and it was your first year with the team like yeah all right yeah mm. yeah so no they were they were great man and uh do you have any pinch me moments from from that experience um yeah like playing golf with Steve Smith was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Playing, especially beating Steve Smith at golf, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Oh, he'll be listening. So yeah, you know, yeah, maybe. This. Um, well, well, if I should give some context, I teamed up with Ben Dorsius and like together we played Ambrose and we beat uh, Steve and Philippi. But uh, it was still cool to say that you know I've beaten uh, an Australian Test captain at golf. I can't um, believe you played golf with Steve Smith. He's got to be my probably. My favorite player of all time. Yeah. Um, he's a cool dude, man. Mm. He was a really cool dude. Um, his golf game definitely needs some work. <laughs> not as good as his cricketer? Nah, definitely not. But that's why he's a, a cricketer, not a golfer. Mm. But, yeah. Um, besides that, man, I think just getting to see, like, all of the cricket fields that Australia has to offer, mm. like, and being, like, on the ground and stuff. Like, like I've traveled to the MCG as a fan, but then to be, like, on the ground inside the MCG when there's a crowd and stuff like that, it was just such a cool moment. Like Adelaide Oval as well, like a beautiful place. Mm. Um, the SCG changing rooms. 
That's yeah, really cool, dude. Right? That that's yeah, that's actually really cool. I'm glad you like suggested that because there's some there's some memories in there, man. And like to be like to have the SCG changing rooms as like my office for like three months was just like nuts. Is there an energy when you walk into there? Big time. Yeah, dude. Like that's the thing too, man. It's just like like I've, I've like going going back to like the that team environment. It's just that like it's it's so addictive because they're just all just so driven. It's just like yeah. And now since then you've been working with a couple of the uh, like couple of boys you met there. Like how did how did that happen? And yeah, because you're now working with Nathan Lyon as like personal yeah. videographer, content creator with him. How did that happen from from the Sixers gig? So actually, I guess to top off that in like to mention the other thing that was a bit of a surreal moment with the Sixers was like the, the day that he came into camp and we had like a meeting on the hotel up or like on the, the rooftop and he came up to me. He goes, hey, Mitch, how you going? I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, the, the goat knows the my goat, name. Yeah. And then secondly, he then like like complimented my work and I was like, cool, mad. And yeah. um, But so in that time, we sort of got chatting and um, he had some ideas that he was trying to implement, you know, moving forward. Um, and, yeah, we sort of just created a good friendship and then now that because he's going to be spending so they're obviously in Sri Lanka at the moment but when he comes back uh there's gonna be a lot of time for the Aussie boys because obviously we go uh T20 World Cup Big Bash and then Australian Test Series Mm. so he's gonna have a lot of time at home and so um yeah he sort of just reached out he knew that he wanted me to be the guy to help him out with his next Mm. sort of business journey uh and yeah just really grateful man Mm. um he's just such a (laughs) such a such an awesome dude so obviously you've been able to do some really fucking sick things mm. since, you know, the last couple of years. Like, what are your goals from here? Now that you've got into this life and this world, where do you want to take it? Um, ideally, I'd like to take it like fully globally. Yeah. Um, there's some things uh, that I have put in place that I'm trying to make sure happen. And then, yeah, ideally I'd like to, you know, just sort of be known as like, I'm, it sounds crazy to say, but like the world's best action sports content creator would mm. be just ideal to yeah. be known as like the dude who's like, if there's someone trying to do something epic, they're like, I want that guy to capture it. Mm. That's ideally where I want to make finish it. Because you've had like really cool opportunities come up, like just randomly from people seeing your content on like Instagram yeah, and TikTok. Yeah. Did you shoot like the Hungarian tennis team? Or? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. I, 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 there. I shot the Hungarian tennis team when they're out here for the Davis Cup. He just randomly messaged me on Instagram. He's like, hey, are you free to shoot the tennis this weekend? And I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> like, wow. I can shoot the tennis. Like, I've obviously worked with the Sydney Kings as well, yeah. which has been really cool. Um, but, yeah, man, it's just about, I don't know. Like, content is obviously king in these days, man. And, like, I know a lot of people talk a lot of trash about TikTok and shit like that. But, like, it is – if you honestly are wanting to change your life, that is a platform to do it mm. on. Like, whatever niche, whatever you do – like the eyeballs and how the algorithm works to sort of push you across anything. It's just like you're stupid not to be posting on it. What, what's the biggest thing, your biggest lesson you've learned from from going hard on TikTok? Well, I haven't really seen like a crazy success, but like I have grown larger on TikTok than I have on Instagram and I've been on Instagram for many years and TikTok for like, you know, I don't know, a couple months or whatever it is. Mm. Um but the biggest lesson is, is it's like, man, people just want to learn. And like, that's the biggest thing for it. I feel like Instagram now is like, you sort of feel obliged. You have to post on Instagram and it's like, oh, here's what I'm doing and stuff like that. Where like the community on there on TikTok is like, educate. Mm. It's like educate, entertain, and you just won't be judged or whatever it is, man. And like, I think from a creative standpoint, it's definitely something I'd like to venture down in the future is like, 
teaching people how to do what I do because like in like the grand scheme of like photography, videography, like sport is something that's like sort of push to the side, for instance. Well, at least in my personal opinion, like if you look at any camera company, you look across any of their socials, you will very rarely find an image of someone doing something in the sport field. It's very much like portraits or landscapes. And like, there's nothing wrong with that genre, but like for me personally, it just doesn't satisfy me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll do one more question, then we'll we'll wrap it up. Mm. Now, if you had to put money on who would be the leading run scorer for our team this year, <laughs> who would you put it on? I heard someone's going for three years in a row. Me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that, eh? Who can manifest harder? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Nah, um, for anyone who wants to check out you or your work, where's the best place? I know TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, it's, find just, you. it's just all Renoco. So R-O-N-N-O-C-O. Yeah. Uh, last name backwards. So. Renoco. And then what's about your Instagram? Is that Renoco? Yeah, still Renoco, yeah. There we go. Boom. Yeah. Mitch, thank you so much for coming in and thank you for people before we got on air, Mitch giving us some camera tips and yeah. audio tips and <laughs> setup tips. So I appreciate that as well. And hopefully the podcast levels up. Yeah, hopefully from here, <laughs> you know, there's only one way to go and it's up. So yeah. thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it, man. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure. Cheers. All right, there we go. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, could you please do me a quick favor and hit the follow or subscribe button? I honestly appreciate it more than you know. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.